In Jesus' name, amen. Well, all the ushers may now receive the tithes and the offerings. All right, let's everybody stand, if you would. Good to see you all today. Praise God. Amen. Isn't Jesus wonderful? He's good, isn't he? The Lord's good, isn't he? He's good. His mercy endures forever, doesn't it? Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And as Brian prayed, we agree with him. We pray for the president because that's what you said in your word to do. And all those that are in authority, we continue to pull down any spiritual blindness, any blindness upon his eyes in the name of Jesus. And we ask, oh God, that you'd send perfect laborers and witnesses to him to, to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And in due season, for all those that are in authority, from federal level all the way down to the local, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. In Jesus' name, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life. And now as we share this word today, we trust that your anointing will be upon it, that you'll help us to say just exactly what it is the Spirit of God once said. That will not speak to please men, women, boys or girls, but that will say what it is we believe the Spirit of God is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Psalms 119, Psalms 119, verse 1. We're going to read this in the New Living Translation. Psalms 119, verse 1, New Living Translation. Psalms 119, verse 1, New Living Translation says this, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. Notice the word says, they do not compromise, the righteous, people of integrity, do not compromise with evil. Titling this message today, Let's Compromise. Let's Compromise. You know, since last Tuesday's election, compromise is a word I've heard a lot of. Now let me be clear. I do not believe President Obama was reelected by the will of God, but rather by the will of the majority of the people and the electoral college. Now, we talked about this last week. God did not want Israel to have a king, and he warned them what would happen if they got one. Yet, the people of Israel insisted on having a king. Now, just like Israel, the American people were warned what would happen if we remained on the course that we've been on for the last four years. Now, 
In Israel, God chose the king through the prophet. Here in the United States, the people put the president into office. God didn't want Israel to have a king, yet they wanted one and he gave them one. And even though God picked the kings, because those kings are human, Israel had problems. God warned them of that. Even with God picking the king, they still had problems. God warned them. It's not best to have a king. Let me rule over you. But the people wanted a king. God gave them what they wanted, even though it wasn't his perfect will. And even with God picking the king through the prophet, through the minister, through the man of God, the people of Israel had problems because they were out of the what we would call the perfect will of God. Here in the United States, you see people think that God puts those in authority whom he wants. But you need to understand, and we covered this last week, God doesn't always get what he wants. You need to understand that. God does not always get what he wants. And, and God doesn't put political people into certain positions as some folks think, at least here in the United States, we put them in through the vote. Did you understand that? We talked last week about, well, the, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And if you understand that scripture, that, that's, not, that's not so. Not if the king doesn't want his heart to be in the hand of the Lord. And we went over all of that last week. And leaders here in the United States and the president in particular, he's put in to office by the majority of the people, not necessarily at the hand of God, but by the uh, vote of the people. We need to honor that, honor that office and pray for him as we did here at the beginning of the service. But I'm just telling you that, that God doesn't always get what he wants. So the president is put in at the will of the people. I made no prophetic predictions as to who would win last Tuesday. I did tell some people when they asked me privately, I, I, I thought that Governor Romney would win and I thought that he would win with the same margins that President Obama won. That's just what I thought in, in my mind. That's just what I thought. Simply because of the bad economy and two-thirds of the people who were polled did not like the direction our country is headed. Now, I will admit that I felt emotionally deflated when I heard the election results. And, you know, I'll say more as to specifically why in a moment, because I want you to understand something. This pulpit is not about Democrat or Republican. Amen. Do you understand that? Right. I, I'm not about Democrat or Republican. I, that's not the issue. The issue is righteousness and what is right. You need to understand that even if Governor Romney had been elected, he's not a perfect man either. Do you understand that? We've never had a perfect president and you don't have a perfect pastor. There are no perfect pastors. Do you understand that? And there are no perfect presidents. But what I'm looking for is, is, is godliness, righteousness. I'm looking for integrity. And so I'll admit I felt emotionally deflated when I heard the election results, but I'll say more as to specifically why, specifically why in a moment. So over the past few days, I've, I've heard many news analysts say that 
Well, the Republican Party, to remain relevant, they must compromise and become more like the Democrats. Well, again, it's not an issue of Democrat or Republican. I want to talk more about the word compromise, that one party needs to compromise to become more relevant, you know, become more like the party that won. What what, what do they have to do to become more like the party that won so that they can win, you see? What does it mean to compromise? Well, just just three, three things here. Listen to this, definitions of compromise. A settlement in which each side gives up some demands or makes concessions. It also means compromise something in between two other things. It also means an adjustment of opposing principles or systems of modifying some, or modifying some aspects of each. An adjustment of opposing principles. That's what compromise means. A settlement in which each side gives up some demands or makes concessions. Something in between two other things. An adjustment of opposing principles or systems by modifying some aspects of each. You see, there are some instances where compromise is a good thing. In that, you had better be able to compromise if you want to have a peaceful existence with other people. All of you married people could probably say amen to that. You're not going to have a, a good marriage if, you, if the husband and the wife is not able to compromise. My wife and I would not have a good marriage if we were not able to, able to compromise. Do you understand that? There's some things that I have had to give in on over the years and there's, there's lots of things she had to give in on over the years, you see, for us to be able to get along and have a peaceful marriage. Actually, I'm, I'm uh, uh, pretty good at compromising even though I don't always like it. How many of you, you've ever compromised but you didn't like to do it, but you knew you had to do it to keep the peace? You understand? And I'm really, I'm, I'm really good at it. Actually, I think I'd have made a good, pretty good politician because I've always been good at, you, you got two people come in the room and they're fighting with one another and they're, they're angry and they're arguing. And I've been able to talk to them. And, and my wife will tell you over the many years and even before I was in the ministry, you get two opposing views. I've always been able to, to sit down with the people and to talk with them and, and find out where each person is and then be able to bring them kind of to a middle ground and bring peace. And I've already had people ready to fight one another when they come into my office, hugging one another when they walk out. Just because I've been able to, let's find some middle ground here where we can, where we can make some concessions and compromise and, and, and make the peace. You see, in Washington, compromise is a must to get anything done. You need to understand that. And in American history, Henry Clay, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but of days gone by, he was known as the great compromiser. And he was essential in bringing opposing political views together for the good of the American people. Now, Henry Clay, he was a man not without fault. How many of you know there are no perfect people? Is that right? He was not without fault. But he was considered by Abraham Lincoln... Lincoln said of him, he's my ideal of a great man. And I think one reason that Abraham Lincoln said that about Henry Clay is that Henry Clay was able to take people who were at odds 
politically, and he was able to find a middle ground and be able to bring compromise and do so for the good of the American people. Now, the Republicans and the Democrats in Washington had better compromise on some things or this nation is in for a much more difficult time than we've seen up to now, especially economically. Now, again, what does it mean to compromise? It's a settlement in which each side gives up some demands or makes some concessions. Compromise means that it's something in between two other things, finding some middle ground where we can agree and then move forward for the good of the whole. You know, Jesus made the statement, he said, and this is what really concerns me as much as anything else about this country, uh, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Jesus said, every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And that's what troubles me as much as anything about this nation is because we're in such violation of that spiritual principle that Jesus gave. When you have a nation divided against itself, it's doomed for eventual desolation and destruction. And that's why it's so important that the politicians in Washington are able to come together in a point of agreement. Amos said in the book of Amos, how can two walk together except they be agreed? So I pray that our politicians will be able, particularly economically, here right near in the near future as we go out, we'll be able to find some middle ground, some point of compromise for the good of the American people. So compromise can be a very good thing. But there are some instances where compromise is a very bad thing. You know, a moment ago when I read those definitions of compromise, the third definition was the one that troubles me the most about compromise when the definition said an adjustment of opposing principles by modifying some aspects of each. The adjustment of opposing principles. So do we need to compromise our principles of integrity? I say no. You see, some say, and in, we're talking politically here today, Republicans must compromise and become more accepting. Now listen to this. Some say Republicans must compromise and become more accepting of abortion and homosexuality to win the White House. Now that's what I've heard again and again this last week on the news channels as I've listened some say, many have said that, well, Republicans must compromise and become more accepting of abortion and more accepting of homosexuality if they ever want to think about winning the White House in the future. That's troubling to me. That troubles me really, really badly because you see, compromise can be a very good thing, but compromise is a very bad thing when we begin to compromise our principles of integrity. Remember the scripture we read in Psalms 119, God told us, do not compromise with evil. Do not compromise with evil. The main reason? I'm so troubled about President Obama being reelected 
is his stance on abortion and homosexuality. The first president that's openly said that he's in favor of same-sex marriages. The main reason I'm so troubled about him being in office is his stance on abortion and homosexuality, not to mention the economic issues. You see, no one should compromise on issues of abortion and homosexuality. No one should compromise on matters of, of evil. You see, to compromise on these issues is not to win, but to ultimately lose. Someone once said, whatever you compromise to keep, you will ultimately lose. It should be noted that last Tuesday, the majority of the people of the states of Washington, Maryland, and Maine voted to approve same-sex marriages. Are you aware of that? Well, if you're not, then I'm telling you right now. Last Tuesday, three states, Maryland, Washington, and Maine, voted to approve same-sex marriages. My goodness. And many judicial experts feel there are other states to follow and some even feel that the Supreme Court will eventually move this way as well. Dear friends, can't you see what is happening here in our nation right before our very eyes? The United States, by and large... The majority of the people, unfortunately, as I see it, are not Christians. And based on that, I'm sad to report that it doesn't appear to me that the United States is a Christian nation anymore. It was founded on Christianity. And that's why it hasn't fallen is because the foundation has been so good and so strong. But as good and strong as a foundation is, it can only hold something up just so long. Now, I know there's a lot of Christians in the nation. I know that there are. But it would appear to me that the majority of this nation is not Christian anymore. Now, it didn't just magically happen last Tuesday. We just saw the ultimate result of that. This has been going on for a long, long time. The devil's been working on the people of this nation for a long, long time. Remember last week we talked about the direction of America. The direction of America didn't just get off course last Tuesday. It's been off course for many, many, many years before that. You can even go back into the, the 50s. How many of you know it's not right to have people of color sit in the back of the bus? How many of you know it's not right to not allow people of color to use certain drinking fountains? How many of you know that's, there's nothing Christian about that? So we don't just have to go back 
to last Tuesday. We can go, you understand that. And, and there's much we could say about it, but it would appear to me, and, 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 and I got a realization of it last Tuesday, that it would appear to me that the nation by and large is not, the majority of it's not Christian anymore. I feel like the American Indian, Iron Eyes Cody. Has anybody ever heard of him? The American Indian, Iron Eyes Cody. If you'll remember back in, I believe it was back in the 70s, there was a commercial. And it had to do with pollution. And it had to do with the pollution that was, was you know, just throwing stuff. Have you ever been driving down the road and you saw somebody in front of you, they just toss trash out the window? Uh, they do it out here ever since we've moved on to this property, you know, out there in the, in, at, the, at the street. I mean, you can, you can in the morning go out there and pick up the trash in the morning and you can go back in the afternoon and pick up almost as much trash as you picked up in the morning. People just drive by and just throw stuff out the window. We oughtn't to pollute things, is that right? I remember there was a commercial back in the, in the 70s where, where uh, this, this American Indian was in a canoe, you know, going down these beautiful waters and whatnot. And, and, and then all of a sudden, as I recall, the waters got all polluted and, 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 and all of that. And, and, and then he got out of the canoe and the polluted waters and he walked up and there was a road going by. And as he was standing there, someone drove by, you know, in a car and they just threw a bag of, of trash out and it hit and it landed it at his feet and it, it went, you re, how many remembers that commercial you know so something along those lines it landed and, and, and the camera panned up and you saw a tear coming down his eye and that's how I feel that's how I feel about America and the land is being polluted the landscape is being polluted the landscape is being polluted. The landscape is being polluted. The landscape is being polluted. I said the landscape. This landscape of the United States is polluted with the blood of so many little babies that are killed in their mother's wombs. My goodness gracious. You can't proclaim blessing on a nation that does that. You can't sweep that under the carpet did you hear me and I feel like that American Indian Iron Eyes Cody as that tear ran down his eyes as that pollution landed at his feet it just it's very sad something else that is very troubling to me is that is that the mainstream media is covering for President Obama's wrongdoings, things that should be brought to the attention of the American people. You know, we depend upon the reporters and the news people to tell us the truth. And you understand that there's always you know, fringe elements on either side that are extreme. And, 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 you know, you can turn on some of those cable 
news channels and some of them are so extreme Republican and some of them are so extreme Democrat. You can get on some of those that, that, that there's nothing a Democrat, a Democrat could say two plus two is four and that this extreme news channel would argue it. Did you hear me? And vice versa, you can go to some of those extreme Democrat channels and a Republican could say two plus two is four and they'll argue it. I don't, I don't, I try my best not to listen to either extreme, but folks, we're living in a time now where, where, where we've got the main, I'm talking the mainstream. I mean, how many of you were ever like me? I'm not talking about National Enquirer. Uh, there's been times where I've been in the line at Walmart when I was a kid, you know, and you look up and there's a National Enquirer there, you know, and it said, you know, so-and-so, uh, has just given birth to an alien space monkey or something like that. How many of you have ever seen that? And you know, you know that, you know that, that magazine or that, that news periodical, you know it's not reputable, you know that. So you're not going to believe, you know, just about all the stuff that's in there. But I'm not talking about these fringe ding-dongs on either side. I'm talking now we've got much of the mainstream media that used to be at one time pretty reputable, they're not telling us the truth. I just, you know, I just heard on this, you know, uh, David Petraeus, the general, and this, this affair that's come out, you know. And I was listening to, I'll just call it, I was listening to NBC uh, last evening. And they said that, now, we're talking about the director of the CIA. And they said on NBC, I'm not talking about MSNBC, I'm talking about NBC 530 World News last night. They said that the intelligence community did not find out about his affair until election day. And that President Obama didn't find out about it until like Wednesday. And then he thought about it for a day and then made a decision to accept his resignation on Friday. Well, here's a man that's supposed to give crucial testimony next week on this Benghazi situation. This seems awfully curious to me. Very curious to me. And, and, and the thing about it is you've got NBC saying, well, you know, this is the timeline and that they didn't find out that the intelligence community didn't find out about this affair of this director of the CIA until Tuesday. Now, I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. When you become the director of the CIA, they're going to tell you what, what you had for lunch when you were in junior high. They're going to tell you what kind of, they're going to tell you if you've got an overdue library book. Did you hear what I, they're going to tell you how many times your dog goes to the bathroom every day. Don't tell me that they're going to find out about an affair last Tuesday. But we've got a main, we've got, we've got mainstream media that are covering up for wrongdoings of a president of the United States. Dear friends, that's troubling to me. And I remember back to the, uh, the Lost in Space. How many remembers Lost in Space from the 60s? And if you don't remember, the, the robot on there, whenever there was danger, he'd stick his, 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 his arms out and he'd go, Will, Will Robinson was the little kid. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. How many remembers that? And I'm standing here today as a man of God. These kinds of things where you've got mainstream media covering this kind of stuff. Danger, 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 danger. My God, Danger. Dangerous. Oh my gosh. 
I'm concerned, dear friends. I'm concerned. You know, this word compromise has been brought to me as a pastor over the years. We'll switch from the political arena now to the spiritual arena, to the church world in which we live. This word of compromise has been brought to me as a pastor over the years. There's been those that have said to me, if you want to have more people, compromise. Wear more casual clothes. Shorten the services. Have different kinds of worship styles, etc. No problem with that. There are some areas that I don't have a problem compromising on. It's like today, I usually wear a shirt and a tie. I dress more casual. Did you notice the church building didn't fall down on us? Did you notice Jesus is still on the throne, isn't he? You know, I, I don't have a problem compromise. It doesn't matter if I wear a shirt and a tie or dress with jeans. It, that's not the issue. I don't have problems compromising on, on things that don't mount to a hill of beans things that don't matter. It doesn't matter if I wear a tie or if I don't. None of that makes any difference. I will say this, modesty does make a difference. I don't think, I, 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 don't, I don't think that, I, I had a man get mad at me for saying this and was with me for years and walked away from me, but you know, Jesus had people walk away from him. I made this statement and I said that when you look at a Christian woman you shouldn't be trying to figure out, is she a Christian lady or is she a prostitute? Because of the way she's dressed. Now, now, did you get what I just said? How many of you got what I just said? That man said, well, you're just being critical. No, I'm not. He said, you're being judgmental of her dress. No, I'm not being judgmental of her dress. That's not, but, but it has to do with not how much your clothes cost or anything like that. It has to do with modesty. I mean, short, short, so short that, I mean, dressed to, to where there's not very much left to anyone's imagination. And that doesn't just go for ladies, it goes for men too. Modesty. I'll compromise on certain things, but there's certain things I won't compromise on. You know, the Apostle Paul compromised on some things. Go real quickly, go to 1 Corinthians, the eighth chapter. Come on, go quickly with me because I wanna get all this in. 1 Corinthians 8, verse nine. Notice Paul, the apostle, God used him to write nearly two thirds of the New Testament. He compromised on some things. 1 Corinthians 8, verse nine, but beware lest, lest somehow this liberty, he's talking about the liberty we have in Jesus, this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be in, uh, emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and, and uh, wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. What was he saying there? He, he was saying that, you know, if it, it, it going to idol's temple, and, and I eat this stuff. I mean, if I pray over it and sanctify it, it's, it's, it's okay to eat. But he said, if I go do that and it causes my brother to stumble, 
Then he said, what he was saying is, I'll compromise. I just won't go eat there. So compromise. He compromised. Not a problem with that. If, 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 uh, if me going and eating at Steak and Shake after the service is going to cause somebody to be offended or stumble, I, I won't go eat at Steak and Shake. I'll go eat at Burger King. Do you understand that there's sometimes compromise? We can do it. It's, it's, it's no big deal. Look at chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Look at this. Just talking about how there were some issues where Paul compromised. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Are you there? 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Notice, win the more to Jesus, to Christ. And to the Jews I became a Jew that I might win Jews. And to those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ. He said that I might win those that are without law. To the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have bec- Notice this, I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. What was he saying? He said, I'm willing to compromise on some things if I can be more effective at winning people to the Lord. See, like, like the dress here, if, 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 if I thought me, you know, dressing in jeans and a shirt like this, if that was important to people that I dressed like this and I could be more effective, a more effective pastor dressing like this, I can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Real loud, say amen. amen. But if somebody says, pastor, you could fill up your church eight times on Sunday morning if you'll just ease up on the abortion issue and homosexuality and be a more accepting of these sins, then I say no. Do, do you get that? You follow what I'm saying here? See, and, and, and there, like there was one time uh, where Paul, uh, and you can find this in Acts, the 21st chapter, you ought to read it sometime, but where Paul went into the church there in Jerusalem and James and the elders asked him to take part in a certain ceremony that Paul wouldn't have taken part in that normally. He would never have, have, have done that, but it was important there for keeping the peace and it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a thing that was gonna, 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 gonna hurt anybody. So he went along with it. He went through the, the ceremony and whatnot to keep the peace. There's some things we can compromise on, but friends, there's some things we can't compromise on. If you'll notice, did you know there was a time Paul allowed Timothy to be circumcised, but he wouldn't allow at another time, he wouldn't allow Titus to be circumcised. Now notice if you would, go quickly, Acts 16 verse 1, Acts 16 verse 1, go there quickly, Acts 16 verse 1. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek was a non-Jew, but he, uh, knows verse two, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with him and he took him and circumcised him. Notice, because of the Jews, actually because of the unsaved Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, Now, for the sake of time, I'll just say this. In this case here, Paul made it clear that circumcision was not necessary for salvation. He made it clear that it was faith in Christ. In this case, though, because of the people that they were going to go out and minister to and share Jesus with, it, it, if, if he wouldn't have had Timothy circumcised, it would have been a stumbling block 
And he wouldn't have been able to get the message out to the people and they wouldn't have been as accepting of Jesus as they should. And so in this case, Paul says, well, you know, circumcision, it's not necessary for Timothy to be saved. He's already saved. But if I don't have him circumcised, it's going to be a stumbling block and it's going to hinder us in our, in our outreach to, to the lost. So let's go ahead and circumcise him and then we'll be able to be better witnesses. So you see, Paul, even though he made it clear that circumcision wasn't necessary for salvation, he went ahead and compromised, had uh, Timothy circumcised and they were able to go out and win the lost to Christ. It didn't have anything to do with Timothy's, Timothy's salvation. It had to do with someone else's. But notice here, if you go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 3, Galatians chapter 2, verse 3, there was another time where Paul refused to have Titus circumcised. Notice Galatians 2, verse 3. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into what? Into bondage. To whom, look at this, we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. See, the reason he didn't have Titus circumcised here is because it was a heaven-hell issue. And these false brethren came in and they were compelling. They wanted to check out the liberty that they had in Christ. And, they want, they, and you get right down to it. They wanted to compel Titus to be circumcised, thus proving that circumcision was necessary for salvation. And so you see it was a heaven-hell issue. And when it was a heaven-hell issue, Paul stood the line and he said, no, Titus isn't going to be circumcised. We're not going to yield. We're not going to submit. We're not going to give in because it was a heaven-hell issue. See, there's things when it's not a heaven-hell issue, there's things we can compromise on. When it is a heaven-hell issue, then we must not compromise. Can anybody say amen. amen the point is that Paul compromised when it was necessary to win the lost but he never compromised when the pure doctrine of the word of God was at stake he never compromised with evil you see I can compromise with dress styles as I said as long as modest now you want to know am I going to wear jeans every week to church. Well, it depends on what my wife says. <laughs> but, but I don't have a problem with it. it, it you wear whatever you want. It, it makes absolutely no difference. I was raised to wear a suit and tie in the church. That's what I was, that's what I was taught. But it makes no difference. Say amen. amen. It makes no difference. And uh, the, what's the key though on dress? Modesty. You understand modesty? You understand what I'm talking about? That there's certain parts of, you know, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't come up here in, in a swimming suit. <laughs> huh? Huh? And Bill said, please don't. <laughs> are the, are, are the women, ladies on, on a worship team shouldn't, I mean... They, 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 they should be modest, right? Am I right? You see, so there's certain things you compromise on. There's certain things that you don't. 
See, like, like the worship music styles. I don't have a problem with different worship music styles as long as God's anointing is upon the music. Some say, well, change the lighting, have no problem with that. Change the backdrop, have no problem with that. You know, change the service length, shorten it. Now, I have been trying to preach shorter these last week and this week going to go a little longer, but I have been trying to preach shorter just because, you know, people's brains can only absorb, absorb as much as their seats can endure. But, but I will tell you this, as, 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 long, as far as service lengths go, I don't have a problem keeping it shorter for the most part, as long as when the Holy Ghost is moving and taking hold, as long as you're okay to go, as long as he wants to go. I mean, I can give the one if you can give the other. You follow what I'm saying? Someone said, Pastor, well, actually, this is what somebody said. This is really good. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Did you get that? In essentials, unity. What does that mean? Like who Jesus is, the heaven, hell issue things. We have to be in unity on that. There can be no compromise. In non-essentials, liberty. Whether I wear a suit or dress in jeans and a shirt. Liberty, it makes no difference as long as it's modest. But in all things, we must walk in love and have charity towards one another. Can you say amen? amen. But they've come to me and said, Pastor, compromise on some issues. Compromise, and, and, and you can have a lot more people come into your church if you just compromise on some things. Some have said, don't let the Holy Spirit move. Don't let his gifts go into operation because it will offend some. They say, put the Holy Spirit in the back room. But you know what? I won't compromise on that. I refuse to compromise on that. I said this years ago. I said, we don't put the Holy Ghost in the back room. Now, if you're offended by the Holy Ghost, we have a place in the back room where you can go sit, but we're not putting him in the back room. Can you say amen? Say, I won't compromise on that. They say, stop saying Jesus is the only way to be saved. No, I'm not going to say that because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible says there is not salvation in any other for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I won't compromise on that. They say... Compromise, pastor, remove the cross of Christ from your messages. Stop teaching on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the power of his shed blood. And I say, no, I won't do that. The apostle Paul wouldn't compromise on that. He said, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said this, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He said, uh, Peter said this, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, I am not going to stop teaching Jesus Christ and him crucified and him raised from the dead. Some say, don't, don't talk about the crucifixion. It's bloody. It's bloody. But I say, I'm going to keep talking about it. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to continue to proclaim the words of the great hymn. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? So you see, you don't compromise on those things. They've said to me, pastor, 
stop talking about hell. Don't mention hell anymore in your sermons. Just stop doing that. You'd have more people come. But I'm not going to compromise on that because Jesus talked about that rich man that lived his whole life. It wasn't his money that put him in hell. It was the fact that he rejected Jesus. And Jesus said in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torment. See Abraham afar off, Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. I'm not going to keep warning. I'm not going to stop warning people about hell. Said, Pastor, don't take such a hard line on abortion. I'm not going to compromise that because I can't forget the words that God spoke to Jeremiah where he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I can't forget that. With the science that we have in this hour, we know that at conception, that, that, that's a human life. Did you hear me? They say, Pastor, stop crying out against sexual sin. See, you need to understand, I've never cried out against the sinner. Jesus loves the sinner. I've never cried out against a homosexual and put that person down, no. But we must cry out against the sin. And I know full well that, that Jesus said, you know, he that's without sin among you, let him cast a stone for, I've sinned, I've missed it. But as a preacher of righteousness, I have the, I have a mandate from God to not compromise on certain things. We don't run people down. We don't put, see, this is how the devil operates. Cause he's come to me in the midnight hour and he's whispered in the ear, fiery darts. You're, you know, you're beating the people up. You're beating the, you need to back up. No, I'm not beating the people up. I've never beat people up. I have never beat people up. I have, well, you're just being too hard on the people. No, I'm not being too hard on the people. I'm gonna be hard on sin. Did you hear what I just said? Stop crying out against sexual sin, pastor. But I'm not gonna compromise there because the apostle Paul, he didn't compromise there. He said, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. I'm here today to tell you that if you're living together and you're having sex and you're not married, you're in sin. Now, you know, there are some churches in this land, a lot of them that would never say that from the pulpit because there's a good number of people in their congregations would be offended by that because they're living in sin. They're not married and they're living together having sex. Now, you tell me who's walking more in love towards those people, the pastor that won't tell them the truth or the pastor that does tell them the truth? I've had people come to the church and they visited a few times and they weren't married and they came to me and they said, you know, will you do the marriage ceremony? And I I said, look, and they wanted to become, no, no, they wanted to become members of the church. That's what it was. They came to the church a few times. They were living together, not married. They wanted to become members of the church. And I told them, I said, you can't become a member of the church until you either one, get married or two, don't live together anymore. Now, is that love or is that not love? I think that's love. And they get mad at me, they leave, they don't come back. But you see, if I let them become a member when they're living together, I'm putting my stamp of approval on their sin. Now, you tell me that that's love. 
That's not love. The pastor that's and doesn't tell them the truth and lets them be comfortable in their sin. Now, that pastor might be liked more, but he's doing them a great disservice. Neither fornicators, he said, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals. I'll not lighten my position on sexual sin. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, having sex with somebody you're not married to, and homosexuals, lesbians, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why am I against, uh, why am I against President Obama's statement on same-sex marriages? Because it's in violation of the word of God. I'm not against the man, I'm against what he stands for. I'm not against his skin color, has nothing to do with it. I'm against what he stands for. Some have said to me, stop crying out against R-rated movies. I've had them pressure. You don't know the kind of pressure. Stop crying out again. I've had, I've had people leave. I mean, they've left here. Stop crying out against R-rated movies with profanity and sexual promiscuity in them. And my answer to that is unequivocal, no. I'm, I'm going to continue to cry out against R-rated movies with profanity and sexual promiscuity in them. You as a Christian should not be, you know, this nation, this nation, this, what we, we need, a, oh, we need a revival to get the sinner saved. Yeah, we do, but I think we need even a bigger revival. We need a revival of calling so-called Christians back to the word of God and back to righteousness and back to holy living. Can you say amen? That's where the greatest mission field might be in this nation. The sinners have had, by and large, the gospel preached to them, but we need to call, quote-unquote, Christians back to the word of God, back to holiness, back to living right. Can you say amen? It's sin to go to an R-rated movie with profanity and sexual promiscuity in it. Paul wouldn't compromise on this. He'd tell you the same thing. He said, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. He said, he said we, shouldn't, we, we, we shouldn't have be a part of that which is corrupt communication. This new movie that's come out with Denzel Washington in it called Flight. I went to the Focus on the Families plugged in website for the review. The sexual content in that movie, and the reason I bring it up is because I know that there's going to be Christians, quote-unquote Christians in this land by the scores. Go see that. And they'll go see that, and they'll say, and I'm not even talking just Christian. I'm talking about, quote-unquote, pastors. I'm talking about pastors, worship team people, pastors, pastors of large churches will go and sit and watch that, and, and they won't even think a thing about it. In fact, they'll put on their Facebook, went to see flight today. Great movie. Now, am I telling the truth? I went to the plugged in website by Focus on the Family. And I read the sexual content of this movie. 
And it was so lewd, it was so obscene that I felt dirty just reading the review that Focus on the Family put out about this movie. I believe, and and, and not to mention the language, about 50 F words in it, not to mention the other words, Christians ought not be going to see that. If you can go see that and it don't bother you, you I don't I'd have to question whether you're saved. I believe any pastor minister that goes see such a movie disqualifies himself from standing behind the holy desk. I've had people walk away from me because pastor, you're too hard on these R-rated movies. No, I tell you what, R-rated movies and and, and by the way, I just took a lot of fun out of things for for some people that listen to this because they, they're, they, they're looking forward to going to see in this movie. I'm not Christians now. Flight. It's full of filth. It's full of F words. It's full of nudity, profanity. It's, it, 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 but Christians will go see that by the scores. And then you wonder what's wrong with our nation. People have told me, Pastor, if you just quit preaching like you have here today and just encourage the people and that's all you give them is encouragement, you'd have a whole lot more people. Well, I try to encourage you, but remember we looked at the scripture last week that talked not only about encouragement, but it talked about the importance of the minister not only encouraging people, but remember what the scripture said, that I as a minister must show you in what ways your life are wrong. Rebuke, correct, warn, urge, and encourage. I'm not going to compromise on that. I'm going to keep that up. There's a few people in the Old Testament. Daniel, they tried to get him to not pray. He wouldn't compromise and he wound up in the lion's den. But the angel came and delivered him. The Hebrew children were commanded to bow in the presence of the king. When the music played, they refused to bow. They went into the fiery furnace, but Jesus showed up and rescued them. Paul would not compromise. Paul did compromise, as we said, on many issues, but he would not compromise on essential issues. And it brought him most affliction. It brought him a lot of affliction. It brought him a lot of affliction. But he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So I want to encourage you today. You heard discouraged with the United States of America and with with the, the direction it's going. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you that though we may not have a political advantage, we have a spiritual advantage. We know that Jesus is still Lord and nobody can vote him out. We still have the power of prayer and one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight and we can pray and declare a thing and see it be established. Amen. We can still be salt and light in the midst of a dark nation. And we need, if this nation ever needed us, it needs us now to be salt and to be light. I watched this yesterday or day before, The Lion King. Remember that Disney movie, The Lion King? And I watched that, my wife and I, we fast forwarded through most of it. But it was interesting as we watched it, remember when the lion, Mustafa, when he died? His young cub, who was the rightful heir, ran off because of the lies of that horrible lion scar. And, 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 and the patriarch was dead. 
The king was dead and the rightful heir ran off and the evil lion came to power and the kingdom in the process of time was dark. There wasn't enough food. There wasn't enough economically and it was dark. But one day the rightful heir, word got through to him of who he was and he stood up in who he was and he came back and it was a fight but eventually he won and he stood his ground and he rose up as the rightful heir and it drove the darkness out of the land and prosperity came again. And so we're the descendants, you know, of the founders. And this has been founded on Christian principles. And we now need to stand up more than ever as rightful heirs to this nation. And we need to declare the word of God. We need to pray. We need to be light. We need to be salt. We need to walk in righteousness. We need to compromise where we can, but we should never compromise with evil. And we need to stand strong, realize that afflictions will come, but the Lord will deliver us out of them all and let's keep our eyes on Jesus and let's never take our eyes off of him because he's still in power and he's still ruling from the far sides of the north and we'll walk with him and we'll talk with him and we'll pray and we'll seek God and things will come out all right for us in the end can you say amen stand with me if you would praise God forevermore hallelujah Glory to God. Say this after me. I'll compromise where I need to compromise, but I refuse to compromise with evil. I'll walk in love. I'll be a man or a woman of God. I'll love people. I'll pray. I'll seek God. I'll pray for the president. Even though I don't agree with him, I'll pray for him. And I'll keep my faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone. If you're here today, you don't know that Jesus, there'll be some men and women standing up here. You can come up and say, hey, I want to know Jesus and they'll introduce you to him. There really is a heaven above and a hell beneath. When you die, it's where you stand with Jesus that's going to determine where you go. So if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you've got a relationship with Jesus, before you leave, come up and talk to one of these nice people that'll be up here in the front and they'll introduce you to him if you don't know him. Maybe you haven't been walking with him like you should and maybe something in this message today stirred you up and say, I need to get back walking close to him. Well, come up. They'll pray with you. And you know what? Jesus will take you back just like that. Hallelujah. If you have some other need, people up here, they'll pray with you as well. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Now, I want to encourage you with this. Even with all the problems that the United States has, it's still the greatest nation in the world. And there isn't even a close second. 